the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. My name is Danny Smith. I'm alongside the one and only Ben South for another episode. And Ben and I are going to just get a little dark today. Well, maybe not. I don't know. We're recording in the middle of the day, so it's not dark, but subject matter, well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what it's like out in Wyoming, but it's pretty bright here right now. It's pretty so, bright here. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. Maybe a somber is the better word of our uh, there topic today. There you go. There of dark. You go. It's yes. somber. I have a well-documented issue with the jargon that we've talked about before. So, yes, I think somber and, you know, probably one of the areas of ministry that a chair two leader may not have to think as much about. But, yeah, it could be a little somber. But, you know, before we do that, before we get a little somber, how are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm doing well. We are, man, we are just loving life, heading into the fall and busy with volleyball season is like, on us every other night we are going somewhere every friday and saturday to tournaments so we are about volleyballed out but just about three or four more weeks of it now so yeah yeah you know we're in that same boat just uh not volleyball but a couple of different sports and my goodness we've hit senior year for our oldest so we're kind of doing the whole senior year thing so man i'm telling you you blink and by the time this episode airs for sure september almost feels over with and, uh, you know, goodness, just one of the great things out here, though, uh, it's starting to cool off quite a bit. And uh, unfortunately, that means winter's not too far away, but it's going to be a nice season of weather here coming up soon. Have you have you it's not been cool enough to fix any chili yet, I guess. Are you waiting? Is there a specific day that you're going to fix chili or do you just fix it year round? It's got to be cooler than it is now. So you we're fall, you know, there's nothing better than a pot of chili in a good football game, but it hadn't gotten cool enough for the chili yet. So. That's right. But <laughs> hey, there's been some good football games. There has been some good football. Were so, you okay? Uh, we're recording this, I think, the week after your Razorbacks really struggled with a FCS team. Um, you know, that, that, is, was, uh, uh, that is the huh. life of a Razorback fan. They will um, break your heart and scare you. And so it's... It tests our blood pressure and all those things, but we survived it, and we're glad to have survived. That's right. That's right. It's a fun as, time of the year. Fun time. As, well, as our coach said, we have three wins. Let's just not forget that. We you know what? Wins. Absolutely. My wife's a big Razorback fan, and I told her uh, something to the effect of a bad win is better than a pretty loss. And so you'll take it, move on, and go from there. That's all you can do. You just gotta, just got to move on. That's it. Speaking of moving on, some of you who are listening, they may need to move on, and that's in your area of your education where you need to go check out Central Baptist College. We are thankful to have them sponsoring Chair 2 Leaders, and you need to go check out cbc.edu, especially if you have started school but weren't able to finish and you want to go back and finish your degree, go check them out at CBC. They have a PACE program that you can enter to finish your degree. You can start in the middle of the year sometimes, and they're running some great even scholarship specials right now at Central Baptist College in Conway. Go check them out, cbc.edu. How do you like that segue? The segue is always good, so we can make it work. (laughs) Hey, Ben, I was thinking the other day, uh, 
about a memory from CBC. I was probably in my junior year, and I was working as a youth minister part-time at a church in the Little Rock area, and we had somebody pass away in the church, uh, and this is part of that somber conversation, and it just brought it to my mind. I uh, uh, was not the lead pastor at the church, but uh, this older member of our congregation passed away, and his wife uh, wanted me to read the obituary. Now, you can take sermon prep classes. You can even take pastoral ministry classes. We've talked about ministering in difficult times, but there is something about a funeral service that can be really intimidating uh, and challenging and a little bit scary all the way around. And all I was doing was reading the obituary, but the part of this memory that I have is the only tie that I had was this real bright, cheery, happy time. I remember having to stop by a, I don't know, maybe a JC Penny or or something to that effect to try to, I called my dad. I'm like, what kind of tie do I need to wear? Uh, I don't have a dark suit, but the suit was okay. And so it was intimidating. And so here I was, you know, 20, yeah, I guess 20 years old. And um, here's what I found out. People assumed that I knew what I was doing and I was terrified. And so Maybe today we could kind of kick this idea around uh, uh, in a chair two leadership role. How do we get ready for a funeral when maybe more times than not, that's not a primary area of ministry for us? It's going to happen. And there are several areas of the funeral that you really can minister. But just some practical steps on what to expect and how you can minister well in those. Because as the chair two role you may get asked to help, but more often than not, you probably won't. But there may be times when you have to because the pastor's sick, the pastor's out of town. I know both of those instances are happening to me here at our church. And you have to jump in and be ready to minister and to lead in a funeral service. Um, and that's one of those things you just, there's not really much preparation for it. You just got to do it. Yeah, more times than not, you're not going to get a lot of notice on funeral preparation. And so let's think about it from uh, a couple of practical aspects, Ben. So talk first about just how to stay ready in the light of preaching at a funeral. Let's start with the preaching part of it. So maybe you teach Sunday school, you teach youth, you teach children. Ben, like you said, the pastor is sick and he's out. You can't be there. Uh, how do you sort of stay ready with a funeral sermon and maybe even what is a funeral sermon? Well, first, when you do a funeral, it's not your time to tell everything you know in the sermon. Funerals should be comforting, should be simple, should be full of hope, full of love, full of grace, and not an opportunity for you to expound on all the theological things you've been studying for the last six months. So I think one of the best things on a funeral is to keep it simple, give them the gospel, encourage the family, give them some hope, and give them an opportunity and, and the truth that uh, the only hope we have after life is in Christ. So make sure you give them the gospel and that's the hope. Um, and just comfort the family. It's not intended to be a long, long church service. There's there's nothing worse than sitting in a multi-hour even an hour long sometimes funeral when the preacher just keeps going on and on and telling everything he knows. So keep it simple, just the basics of, you know, that 
Christ loves them, came for them. There's hope in Christ, and there's comfort in Christ as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, there's probably an expectation that you're going to do something like that. Um, more times than not, if you're doing the service of a church member, uh, and, you know, Ben, we're talking specifically chair two leaders and funeral services. So perhaps it is um, in the youth ministry or the children's ministry. So sometimes it can be a little extra level of, of just grief, not that losing an older member doesn't have its share of grief. But yeah, I think giving that hope, giving the gospel uh, on the one hand, in some places it's going to be expected, um, but I can tell you, I have sat through funeral services where none of that was done. They kept it short. They kept it simple, but none of that was done. So we're not saying by keeping it short and simple that we're not giving real, genuine um, hope and encouragement. I was at a funeral one time where the guy, you know, essentially told everybody that that old Billy was a good dude and uh, he and God had an agreement and, Man, that worked for him. And about 15 minutes later after rambling, we were done. And I left there thinking, hey, I'm confused. Usually I can piece together what somebody's trying to say. And I couldn't piece together what he was saying. And I thought, if I can't do that, then I'm sure those that are either not following Christ or maybe those that are struggling with what's happening probably thought the same thing. So by keeping it short, keeping it simple, we're not saying don't be encouraging in the gospel. There's a little t handbook I've got. John Bassanio has the pastor's handbook. It's a great tool. If you don't have one, you should get it for your library. But he says 15 minutes is the maximum for your message. 10 to 12 is better to speak warm and tenderly. And he says you should do three things. He says honor the deceased, comfort the family, and glorify the Lord. And that's really it. That's, the, that's what we're trying to do in a service is just encourage them and comfort them and glorify the Lord. Yeah, no, I, that's really good. And uh, that's John Bassanio, if somebody maybe was trying to catch what you said there. Yeah, I think one of the first little booklets I got as a young minister was a pastor's handbook. You cannot beat that uh, little resource for you. Well, you know, Ben, um, I, I have preached a lot of funerals over the years, and, and really that formula works. Um you know, everybody is different. It's going to be expressed a little different. This brings back something to the preaching of a funeral are the personal relationships that we build with the people. There are times you're going to get called for community people that don't have a church home. And, uh, and, and it's going to feel really like you're following a formula in that situation. But as you build these personal relationships with all the generations of your church, again, you may be a children's minister or a, a college minister. Uh, all across the board, building those personal relationships will make um, kind of that threefold process go 3D, right? So we're going to honor the deceased. We're going to give them a scripture, and I think I've already messed it up, and glorify the Lord. And those three things, it'll take on a little more significance when we can say we know these people, we know these families. So that speaks a lot about in your role as a leader, you're not punching a clock and a ticket or whatever it is for a job, you really are attaching your life to the life of that church and the people that are in it. That's that's absolutely right. Well, let's move a little bit in direction. How about when the funeral, how should we dress? You got any great insights there? You know what? 
I think you need a, a, a Briscoe Darling on the uh, Andy Griffith show was uh, going to his daughter's wedding. You may remember the mountain wedding episode. Ben shaking his head no. So now we're going to have to question everything about our friendship. But that's another episode. I, I think we should do an episode why every chair two leader should watch Andy Griffith. But that's not here or there. But there's an episode where he's putting a tie on and he said, uh, you know, you look good enough to get buried in. And that's what he said to somebody as they came dressed, all dressed up. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think there's something to be said about having a, a just simple dark suit that draws no attention. That's kind of like that opening illustration. I had this bright, cheery tie. It's all I had. Well, it really would not have been fitting for that situation. My dad really encouraged me, go buy a dark tie to go with it. So again, I think um, even in, in situations where you're thinking, well, these aren't really suit people. I, I think there's an expectation that, that we can hold ourselves to that says, hey, in these moments, unless they just come to me and say, hey, we're all wearing Wranglers and white shirts, get yourself a dark suit, uh, let it be somewhat drab, because that can be, uh, I think it symbolizes that this person is about to step into a position to offer that hope and encouragement that we need to hear. So maybe I'm a little old school than that, so feel free to push back on that. But I do think, with the exception of a few times, that uh, that that a dark suit is just a really good choice. Absolutely. I would say every minister needs to have at least a navy or black or dark gray suit uh, that they can wear sport coat and slacks that are dark and look good together because especially for funerals for older people they're going to expect more of that type of dress for that type of environment one good rule of thumb for that is it's always good to be dressed one I would, step better than the average person in the congregation I would say it's just a kind of a good rule to follow. Yeah, hey, if everybody says that, hey, we're just going to wear jeans and, and shirts because it's hot and we're going to be out just on the cemetery, well, okay, you can follow, but wear a really nice dress shirt, nice slacks. Step it up one notch above where you think most others will be. It may be, um, I've done a funeral once where they were just said, we're just going to be real casual. So I just wore some nice dress slacks, a sport coat with a shirt, didn't wear a tie. I knew it was in the funeral home, but they were wanting it to be real relaxed. So I think just a good rule of thumb is try to be one step above. And that just puts a level of professionalism and a level of honor to the person that we're remembering. And it just kind of sets you apart. Okay, here's the person who is leading right now. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that in those moments that the value that you're providing to their life is that here's somebody that I can tell my grief to, that's going to listen, that's going to, for at least in their perspective, help me understand the grace of God in that moment that I might not otherwise see. So yeah, I think Ben, you're right. That kind of rule of thumb of, of just a step up, right? If they say, listen, we're only wearing jeans and shirts, right? Go get some good jeans and go get a good shirt. Um, don't pull them off the hamper and you know toss them in the air and think they're okay because you are bringing value to that. So, you know, over the years, there have been people that have eventually been part of our church that I've had the opportunity to share the gospel with, even disciple who came through a funeral, who came through something where um, it was in it and they saw that value that says, hey, I heard what you said. You presented yourself for faith, but 
somebody I'm going to come back to so then I can ask other spiritual questions for because a funeral is not an end in itself, right? We're pointing for the Christ. So yeah, our dress can provide that. So Ben, I think is kind of a corollary to dress is understanding there is a formality uh, to a funeral. For example, the very first funeral I ever did, I remember finishing uh, the sermon and then I kind of, you know, just backed off from the little podium there in the funeral home and the funeral director came and got me and stood me by the casket. And then you lead the casket out. There is a laying of the little flowers on. And so, yeah, there is a very, those are just things we need to know. And I didn't know. Yeah, I think, and you need to check, especially if you move to a new place, if it's your first funeral in an area, ask the funeral director, the funeral home, are there some things I need to know here? I've, I saw something not too long ago about on, on Twitter, I think it was some pastors talking about things they didn't know regionally that are different because here in Arkansas, after a funeral, it is customary for after the service, usually the preacher will lead in a prayer, then he'll go stand at the head of the casket and he'll open the casket and usually everybody in the room will proceed by to view the body one last time, shake the preacher's hand. So that's a standard thing. I, from what I understand, that's not common in every part of the world. So you need to know what to expect. Ask them what's going to happen when. Some will have the pastor follow the body out immediately or they'll let people go first. So there's some of those type of things that you can can do that are that you just need to ask. How do you do it here? At the cemetery, that's pretty customary. If you have a flower that you're wearing as one of the officiants, um, when they close the graveside service, typically here you'd take the flower and you'd put it on the casket and then you'd walk by and greet at least the first row of family members and offer condolences there. So like, like you said, there's some of those things culturally. You just need to ask, what's, gonna, what's the norm here? What do y'all do normally? One of the things you need to know, especially like a place like Arkansas, is you're going to have to eat copious amounts of fried chicken after that funeral. So you got to prepare. And, you know, Ben, one thing um, I didn't realize, kind of back to the dress and also the formality part, um, rare is the occasion that a funeral goes off without it raining, super cold or super hot. So get yourself a nice jacket too, maybe one of those uh, jackets that you probably only wear for Funerals, I've got a long black trench coat, uh, dress coat that I use for that because, you know, I did a funeral one time at a cemetery. It was about 25 degrees. The wind was blowing, no trees, and uh, I had no trouble keeping it 10 to 9 to 12 minutes that day. Let me tell you, I had no trouble at all. There is no place colder than a cemetery on a winter day, and there's oh no place goodness. hotter than a cemetery on a summer day. That's exactly right. And so you are going to sweat and you're going to freeze. Here's the other thing I think that, you know, one other thing I would throw into this is, you know, this idea of sort of, and I hate to use the word professional because A, John Piper told us not to use that. B, I think it's just, you know, again, probably not the best word. Pastoral, we'll just go pastoral, right? Is that um, this, you're going to hear some very strange things. If people get up to speak, if they are a part of any type of civic organization or other organization, the one job I feel like I have at a funeral is to make sure that the last word in every segment is gospel and encouragement, because you just never know what people are going to say. You never know how people are going to react. There's a lot to be said about just like you said, Ben, figure out regionally what's expected there, but don't be afraid to lead in those moments. Absolutely. You need to guide them through it. Most of the families don't have experience of planning funerals. 
And so you as the pastor or the associate, especially if you're called in to pinch hit for the lead pastor, uh, you you need to provide some guidance there because they're not accustomed to planning funerals. They don't go to them as often as you probably do or should. And they, you need to help them with that. One of the things we always tell families is if a family member is going to speak, they need to write down what they plan to say, every word. They need to script it out for a couple of reasons. One, as a family member, it's much more emotional and it's harder than they think it's going to be. And two, they're not accustomed to speaking most of the time in front of people like that. And they can. it's easier if they have it written out. And then if it gets to the point where they can't, someone else can read what they have written. So we always encourage family members, if they're going to speak, to write it out and to keep it brief. Hey, Ben, just a couple more thoughts. Um, one, do you guys have a funeral policy that y'all use? I mean, I know it's not really necessarily time to hand somebody a manila envelope and go, here's our funeral policy. But you mentioned that kind of scripting out, writing out. Is there something that you as a staff um, have for you guys so that y'all know that kind of stuff? We don't have a guide written out per se. We just kind of know what works well at our church, what we have seen work well. So we kind of try to walk the family through that. And, you know, one of the things that scares us the most as a staff is when someone says, we just want to open up the mic and see if anybody wants to say anything. So we always try to steer away from open mics at a funeral one because you can't control the time you can't control what's said and there's no good way to stop it um and it can go on forever and ever and until everybody feels like they have to say something so we encourage people if they want to have some speak to have some people pre-selected to do that not just make it open for whoever wants to um that's even honoring the time of the people who are attending the funeral because they are probably not coming planning for an hour and a half, two hour funeral, which it can get to that. I've been at those funerals. So um, it's good to have that plan to know what's going to happen, to know who comes where, when, and and all those things. Yeah. And Ben, what about, I know there's actually been times I've had to go to the funeral home and actually help people pick out songs, pick out flowers. So the funeral process can be more than just the funeral sermon and our dress. I think it's just being, I think it's just being prepared and willing to go. I'm going to sit down with this family over the next couple of days uh, just to walk with them as much as they need me to. And sometimes it is as simple and the right best word. It is as simple as showing up and actually just preaching and doing the burying, so to speak. But there are times you've got to go help pick out songs. So, yeah, I think it's good just to talk to other ministers and figure out, and the people at the funeral home are typically really good about helping. Uh, just don't be afraid to ask for help in those situations. That's right. Absolutely. And it's, you don't, don't overthink it. That's what I always tell people. Some of these things, you don't have to overthink it. Uh, we jokingly say, you know, um, you know, the wedding, if you're planning a wedding, it will take months and months and months of planning and a funeral is exact same ingredients most of the time there's family there's special people there's food there's music there's preaching preacher and you can throw a good funeral together in two or three days so that's what it is so don't overthink the funeral planning in the process but like we said earlier use it as a time to honor the person to comfort the family and glorify the lord that's really all you're trying to do through that yeah no i think that's really simple and good to use and you'll get to the end of your ministry one day and you'll realize that some of the funniest 
uh, bizarre stories you'll tell typically revolve around a wedding or a funeral. <laughs> Just the things that people say and do in moments oh. like that can fill books and they are humorous on the backside, not always at the moment, but uh, yeah, just yep. trust the Lord, keep it simple. And as uh, Ben mentioned, this is just an opportunity to minister and encourage to others. One thing I do, and I, last thing I'll say probably, is I keep a file of all the funerals I've assisted in, so I know who. And then I'll even mark it on my calendar, especially if I've led in the funeral, that I will... Uh, market and I'll make a note even a year from then to go back at the, either the anniversary of the death or the funeral and just touch base with that family member and say hey praying for you today I know it's a difficult day so you know that's kind of the end of that initial grieving season that first year um, the grief probably goes right, on but but that first year just kind of that's a marking point when there are not going to be any more firsts probably so I try to go back and just encourage them at that point and comfort them again because that's going to be a difficult time yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so, good word right there. So. so so hopefully today's episode has given you a couple ideas or helped you um, in some way to be a better minister wherever you are in the second chair or if you're one who works with second chair leaders. So we hope you have a great one. Make sure you like and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. Share it so others can find it. And we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.